Dave Schultz back on Locked On Sunbelt, your conference every day. I host Afternoons in Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP, covering the South Alabama Jaguars. And before that, doing mornings on 103.7 The Game in Lafayette, Louisiana, and covering the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Today's episode of Locked On Sunbelt is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I had a good chat with Dave Rigert, the voice of the James Madison University Dukes. He talks about Dukes football, one of the best teams offensively and one of the best teams defensively in the nation. Not to mention they are the top team offensively and uh, the best team defensively uh, in the Sun Belt. Uh, But they cannot go to the postseason. Uh, They will not play in the Sun Belt championship uh, game. We have uh, talked about that. Uh, there was a news and notes. Jamie Chadwell name is getting connected. ESPN reporting Jamie's name has been connected with Georgia Tech. That's an interesting fit. Chadwell runs that kind of RPO with an option play. And uh, usually with two backs, you know, in the backfield. And that, uh, you know, he can keep it. He can hand it off to the first guy. Or he can pitch it, which is different. Or pass it. And... Grayson McCall, you know, you got to get the right quarterback for that because Grayson McCall is really a magician with football, uh, very efficient, very rarely turns it over, very rarely makes a, a poor decision. So it'll be interesting to see if Jamie Chadwell uh, makes that leap to Georgia Tech and when that decision comes out, right? Georgia Tech, you know, fired Collins very early in the season. And, you know, we'll, uh, we'll find out how much that lingers. Last year, the Cajuns... You know, it was known that Billy Napier was leaving, but not until the championship game. Like he was going to coach in the Sunbelt championship game. You know, I guess that was part of the deal that he had to stay there for probably a couple more weeks or 10 days. And then, you know, he was leaving right after that. So we'll see if Jamie Chadwell gets a Georgia Tech job. And when they announce that, you know, is it going to be a little bit like Georgia Southern? It can't be totally like Georgia Southern when Clay Helton was fired himself and they had fired Lunsford. But uh, we'll see how long, you know, you let the rumors linger type of deal. If it even gets to that point, I mean, we're still a good, you know, seven, eight weeks away from the end of the season, uh, the end of the regular season. There was one thing I wanted to discuss also based on what we discussed yesterday with the national exposure, kind of like, you know, a whole circle of publicity, right? ESPN2 is having the uh, Louisiana Raging Cajuns play Marshall. So Pete Thamel, you know, their lead college football writer for ESPN.com, and he's on game day and everything like that, formerly of Sports Illustrated and Yahoo and I think everywhere. New York Times, too, I think. He, uh, he did a story on Mike Desimo, the head coach of the Louisiana Rage Cajuns. That's a lot of publicity, right? And again, seems like it comes up a lot, right? Ed Orgeron knows the culture, understands the people. Mike Desimo... Said his lineage goes back to the 1700s. Uh, his father went to LSU. He played quarterback at Louisiana. You know, he hunts for uh, duck and crab. So we'll see if he ends up being a good fit. That's not the point of this comment, okay? Uh, he does not have a whole lot of college coaching experience, but he is from the area, played there, has been coaching with the Cajuns uh, for a handful, more than a handful of years. I believe Mark Hutzpeth brought him onto the staff and he stayed with Napier staff. But the point is, is that Pete Thamel did a feature on the Louisiana Raging Cajuns football coach. Not on Billy Napier. Not on what the Cajuns are doing on the field. 
although that was part of it. But basically on how Decimo is, is, is the guy that they wanted. And it was basically a feature on Mike Decimo, is what I'm getting around to saying. Do we expect that? You know, do we get another one with Coastal Carolina and Old Dominion on ESPNU? Do the Chanticleers get another one? Is that going to be focused on Jamie Chadwell? Is he staying or he's going? Is it on Old Dominion? Uh, what about next week for South Alabama and Troy? Uh, that is on ESPNU as well. So it's just more and more, you know, from the ESPN point of view, it's synergy, right? Let's do a feature on the game we're airing, which is fine. But in this case, it all benefits the Sunbelt, right? It benefits the Cajuns. Uh, you, in this case, it probably doesn't benefit Marshall that much, except if now you're going to watch the Cajuns play Marshall. And so we'll see uh, what happens moving forward. But again, uh, you do have Coastal Carolina and Old Dominion on, on the U on Saturday. Next week, you got Georgia State and App State on ESPN2. South Alabama's on the U against Troy. And then you do have uh, Army taking on ULM, should say ULM taking on Army, and that's on CBS Sports Network. So maybe, yes, you know, you see a Barrett Salee story on ULM on Terry Bowden or something along those lines. The point is, is that the publicity is not only the games on TV, but everything that comes with it. And I think that's fantastic for the Sun Belt. You very well could get a couple of teams into the top 25. If South Alabama keeps on winning, and UCLA keeps on winning, by the way, <laughs> all of a sudden people are going to be like, UCLA's undefeated, but they lost to South Alabama, Alabama by one. They're blowing out all these Pac-12 teams, but South Alabama went to the Rose Bowl and lost by one. So South Alabama could get some votes. James Madison is right there, and Coastal Carolina, they don't play James Madison. Those two teams don't play until the end of the season. So you could have, as crazy as it sounds, two or three Sunbelt teams either ranked or on the verge of being ranked, James Madison's ranked already. They do have a tough game against Georgia Southern. They are favored. I'll probably pick them. We'll do that on Friday. But the point is, continued, continued exposure uh, for the Sun Belt can only help. Okay, let's take a timeout. We got the voice of the JMU Dukes, the James Madison University Dukes. He is Dave Reichert. has got an interesting story how he went about getting the job. But he also talks about uh, Harrisonburg, and he talks about the uh, ever-growing football program at James Madison. We'll be back after this. You're listening to Locked On Sunbelt, your conference every day. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all of your sport wagering information. With live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there, the fastest and easiest way to check on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Welcome back to Locked On Sunbelt, your conference every day. I'm Dave Schultz. Uh, so thrilled to be joined by the JMU Dukes broadcaster, Dave Rigert. Uh, Dave, I, I posed the question yesterday, does JMU deserve to be in the top 25? You know, I think they do. I mean, obviously, I'm a little biased. Uh, there, there's no doubt about that. But for what they've done, and I know there's a ton of skeptics out there, and uh, who have they played? What have they done to deserve this? But, hey, JMU's not the one that ranked themselves 25th. I mean, the people had to do that for them. I mean, they've done what they've had to do. Uh, they beat a middle Tennessee team by 37 points that went to Miami and won this year. 
They came back from a 25-point deficit at App State and, and won at their place, which they had only lost 10 games the last however many seasons at App. It's been a really tough place to play, one of the toughest in the country. I think it's one of the top eight teams in the country um, as far as their home record over the past seven years or so since they got into FBS football. And, and, and again, that was a team that went to AM and and won. Obviously, they, they lost this past week. Uh, to Texas State, but that's still a really good football team, and they've done what they've had to do. I mean, it's been pretty impressive what they've done. They have a top-ranked defense in the country, and you know, it, it's it's important for the for the program for the university to have that twenty-five next to their name. But in the grand scheme of things, it's 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 not that big a deal if you're ranked twenty-fifth in the country to a lot of people around. It doesn't really matter. I mean, it's it's a huge deal for JMU, and and JMU fans need to 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 I think soak it in that no team has ever been ranked in the top 25 in their first year of the transition from FCS to FBS. Um, so it, it, who knows what it'll mean down in the future. Uh, they may lose this week and not be in for another couple of years. Who knows? But for right now, they're ranked 25th in the country, and, and fans should, should really, really take a lot of pride in that. Well, I may or may not be one of those guys who thinks that they haven't, <laughs> haven't played uh, anybody. And yet, I still still may believe they are the best team in in the conference in their first right. year in FBS. They lead the conference in both scoring offensively and defensively. Did anybody see JMU being this good this year? No. Uh, the, the, team, the, the team will probably say yes, but I, I'm not sure that they would even admit to that. I know going in, me personally, and I'm going to be honest, um, I was thinking four or five wins probably in, in their first year. They were they were playing uh, much better competition, uh, bigger guys, better offensive and defensive lines. They dominated up front at the FCS level, and that was a big reason of, of their success. Um, they were recruiting FBS caliber of players before. That's why they were competing for national championships and doing what they did at that level. But you just didn't think they had the depth probably to, to compete with some of the teams that have now – been able to be in 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 the Sun Belt and in FBS football for so long, and you know they really got hurt. Hit they got hit hard by graduation and by the transfer portal. I mean, they lost twenty five guys to graduation. Cole Johnson, one of the best quarterbacks ever to play at JMU, graduated. Mike Green is with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. Uh, they're the best kicker in the history of college football. That graduated. Um, they they lost probably their two best defensive linemen, both their linebackers, their top three corners off of last year's team. So there were so many question marks going into this year. Could, did they have enough depth to compete at this level when, when, when that's the biggest difference from FCS to FBS is that depth. So I don't think a lot of people thought that this would happen. I thought, I thought they'd have some trouble with middle Tennessee. I certainly thought they'd have trouble with app, but you know, it's just, it's been remarkable to see guys step into roles and flourish. Um, you just, you, you hope that, the coaching staff hopes they recruit the right types of guys that they'll get in a Jalen Walker at linebacker a Taurus Jones at linebacker. Um, those guys are talented, but when they get the call, when they're the starter, when they're the frontline guy getting 65 snaps a game, can they, can they do it over and over and over so far? They have their defense has been unbelievable so far, especially against the run, but it's number one in the country. And there's just guys that have stepped up and, and, they, they've kind of come into their own a little bit on, on both sides of the football. And, and obviously on offense, Todd Santeo, no one thought that, that he would come in and do what he's done. He has as many touchdowns as he did all of last year in 12 games at Colorado State. I mean, he had pretty good numbers at Colorado State for a bad football team. So you, you just didn't know what he could do. That was his first full season of playing college football. And for him to do what he's done so far this year and be the leader that he's been in his one and only year at JMU has been nothing short of remarkable. 
talking to Dave Rigger from uh, JMU Broadcaster. All right, uh, we do the show. I'm for, you know locally in Mobile, Alabama, and uh, Kurt Signetti should be a familiar name to people here in, in Alabama. He was partly responsible for the class of 2008 for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Guys like you know Julio Jones and Mark Ingram and uh, and the such. Um, tell us about what you found out about him in the in the couple of years you've been with the Dukes. Well, he's. <laughs> You can definitely tell that he was uh, under Nick Saban. Uh, he's very similar to, to <laughs> Coach Saban. Um, there's no doubt about that. He is very close to the vest. He's not going to give you a whole lot. Um, even with us local media types, he'll, he'll talk to me a little bit off the record, so I probably know a little bit more than most. But he's not going to show his cards. There's no doubt about that. Um, and he's, uh, he's probably not a player's coach. I mean, I, they love him, and, and they know that, that, that he loves them. But he's hard on him, and he's not going to sugarcoat things. He he doesn't. He's not a rah rah guy that's going to give you the 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 great speech before a game to get you real fired up. He's just a no nonsense um, guy that is going to tell you how it is. And he's got a tremendously good coaching staff behind him. He's hired the right people, and I think at this level, that's that's what it's all about is hiring the right people. Nick Saban's not going to get to where he's going to get at by by having bad assistant coaches, and, and a lot of those go on to. To, to big jobs and he's hired some really good young coaches that have done a great job I think that's the one thing I, I was talking about guys stepping into their own it's been the player development again they recruited this team the team that's playing right now most of them were recruited to be FCS players that, that, that's that's the reality of it and they've stepped up because of that player development by coach Signetti by his coaching staff to become FBS type players. And that's, that's why they, again, that's why they were so good at the FCS level is because they would develop those players into what they thought they could be. But um, he's a great recruiter. Um, He knows talent. He can see, he really has an eye for that, but he's a no nonsense guy. He's, he's, he's pretty close to the vest, but he's got a great offensive mind. He really works with the offense a ton. Um, He doesn't call the plays, but he will, he'll give his input into the plays. And, um, Again, his brother's the offensive coordinator at Pitt. His dad obviously just passed away, but um, is a college football Hall of Famer. So he, he comes from great bloodlines, and um, he's done a tremendous job. Everywhere he's been, he, he's kind of – it's been pretty quick. He went to uh, Elon after his time at Division II at, at uh, Indiana University in Pennsylvania, and they were picked last in the, in the CAA at the time. And they came in and almost won a, a, a conference championship, and they upset JMU in, in one of his first years at Elon. And then he came to JMU and took over something already great, but no one thought that he and his coaching staff would do what they're doing this first year in the Sun Belt. Now, just like Nick Saban, I got a little nugget for you, maybe using <laughs> other places to uh, better his contract. Apparently, uh, there was interest on South Alabama to have him as their coach before they hired Joey Jones. Uh, really? And he went and he went back and got a little bit more money, I believe, at JMU. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of how it works these days, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, it does. And so he's he's taken uh, after Nick. All right, all right. Let's take a time out. We'll be back with the second part of our conversation with the voice of the JMU Dukes, Dave Reichert. You're listening to Lockdown Sunbelt, your conference every day. So a couple of things. Uh, we're talking with Dave Reichert on Lockdown Sunbelt. All right. So the way the schedule works out. And uh, the way the season may happen is that if JMU runs a table, and if this could come down to the last game, JMU against Coastal Carolina, who wins the East unofficially, uh, but JMU does not play South Alabama, and they won't play them because they can't get to uh, – they don't play them in the regular season, and they can't play uh, in the Sunbelt Championship game. How much is that uh, discussed 
uh, within the program that it's kind of a bummer every year because they're having this ridiculous year. And you say the the ranking doesn't mean much at 25. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. How much does it matter? How much does it matter that, uh, uh, that they can't play, the Dukes can't play in the Sunbelt Championship game? Well, there was a lot of talk about it, not really inside the program. They're taking it week by week. They're working on Georgia Southern this week, and they're going to say that. I mean, and, and they're probably not thinking about that. They want to win it every single game, and they've got to take it week by week. But there is a ton of talk outside of the program. Even Jeff Bourne, the athletic director, talked earlier this week, had a press conference, and he had a lot of questions about, hey, what if what if this season continues? And what if you are undefeated? Will you try and get a waiver to maybe play in the Sun Belt Championship or at least play in a bowl game? Is, is there anything that you could do? And there's conversations about that. Um, Jeff Bourne was pretty honest and, and said earlier this week that it's not probably realistic for us to do it, but I'm going to fight for our student athletes if there's an opportunity. And I think there's a lot of people outside the program that are just like, you know, this is kind of an archaic rule. Why do you have to wait? If you're good enough, can't you compete for a championship and go to a bowl game? Um, I, I get why there is a, a transition period. But the one thing that, that JMU has, has openly talked about, even when, when they made the move and then the schedule came out and they were able to get a full FBS schedule in their first year since, again, they're the first team in the history of, of college football to make a transition and have a full FBS schedule in year number one. And by doing that, they're hoping that that speeds up the transition because they are going to put in a request for a waiver to make it just a one-year transition where they would be eligible next year for a Sunbelt Championship game or getting to a bowl game. So they're trying to speed that process up, and they've talked about that from day one, no matter if the season was going great or, or if it was a subpar season this year. So that's something that you, you kind of think, and I, I, I have a show here, and I was talking about that too, that you know, do they maybe pass on trying to get a waiver this year to get to a bowl game or something like that in hopes that it'll speed up and, and they'll get it next year? If they try and do too many things, could that hurt them? If they try and put waivers in for everything, could that hurt them? And then the after two years. So, again, there's a lot of talk about that outside of the program on if, if they should be able to be eligible for that. But, you know, talking to the players, they don't even really think about that right now. Not now. Later in the season, maybe when it when it could be a possibility, because we saw that in basketball last year when the CAA would not allow the JMU teams to compete in their conference championship. And all the talk was just like, oh, we're not thinking about that. But after the season, when I talked to the basketball teams and some other sports, it was on their mind. So it, it's probably going to be on the mind later if the season continues how it's going. Has there been any word from the Sun Belt? Because you ask a couple of Louisiana fans on how Coastal didn't uh, have to play in a conference championship game because they had one too many players out with COVID a couple of years ago. And the Sunbelt just said, Hey, Coastal's ranked. Let that go to a bowl game. We don't want them to lose. And so, you know, talking about the rankings, you know, on a side note, my Syracuse orange have gone from 30 to 18 <laughs> and all they've done have beaten Wagner and not play. So ridiculous. Uh, and so if JMU keeps on winning, all the teams above them are playing each other for the most part. And so right. half of them are going to lose. And so JMU can be sitting, you know, I don't think it's outrageous. They do get Louisville, so they do get a power five team. Louisville is not that great, but if they beat them in Louisville, they're going to pop sure. a little bit more. There's, It is not outrageous to think that JMU is going to be somewhere around the top 10 if they finish out 12-0. and 0. Yeah, if they go undefeated, I think it'd be hard for the Sun Belt to, to, to pass and be like, oh, no, they're, they're, we're not going to back them and put them right. into a bowl game. I, I, 
I, there was some talk about that too. And I know there's conversations with Jeff Bourne, the athletic director and the Sun Belt that, you know, and, and again, no idea what those conversations are. They didn't divulge anything like that, but I think there are some talks that, Hey, the Sun Belt might be able to, to back you too. And, and I think the, the TV networks, you know, they want the best matchups. They wouldn't mind having a, a team like that. If it was kind of a Cinderella story. Um, so I think there's, there's could certainly be some scenarios where people outside of Jamie, it's not just JMU trying to, trying to get this happening here down the stretch, but it's the TV networks. It's the Sunbelt conference. It's uh, maybe other group of five conferences that ah, we need to do this to, to help our brand too. And, and this level of football. So again, that'll be interesting to see if that does, does happen. Have you ever, have you even tried to look what the Sunbelt uh, tiebreaker is if there's no head to head? I have not yet. I have not. Yeah. Well, it would be, it would work in JMU's favor because they would be the highest, higher ranked football team, but you get past that. I mean, we're talking about who wins in the last week of the season. Uh, It is uh, yeah. It makes your head hurt. It does. It does make your question. All right. So preview uh, this weekend's uh, ball game. They're taking on, did you say a struggling Georgia Southern team all of a sudden? Yeah, a little bit, but you, you you take that with a grain of salt. They've lost back-to-back games, but they also lost back-to-back games on the road against pretty good football teams. Obviously, right, Coastal, right. Car- Coastal Carolina, they almost had a beat. I mean, I think you could argue that they probably should have won that football game. Um, and then last week, it's a one-score game with Georgia State. I mean, and they fell behind early, rallied back, and, and still um, had a, a ton of yards. And, and that's the one thing that they're doing right now is – they're putting a, a lot of yards, a lot of points. This is an offense that is pretty impressive so far, especially with, with Coach Helton coming in and kind of transforming the offense into to more of a pass-happy offense when, when it was more run-based, obviously, in the past. Uh, but it's a good football team. Obviously, they went to Nebraska earlier in one. They were sitting at 3-1 and one before these last two losses. And, again, arguably they, 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 they could be 4-2 and two or 5-1 and one with these last couple of games, just one-score losses against the two teams that were picked one and two in the East division of the Sun Belt. So again, it's not like they, they didn't play anybody that was any good this past week and they were one score games. So uh, this is going to be a really challenging game. Obviously now that that 25 X is next to JMU's name, that, uh, that probably gets Georgia Southern riled up a little bit that, Hey, we got a ranked team coming. Let's knock them off. Um, this is a little bit of a rivalry. They met back in the, in the FCS days when, when both teams were really, really good. And they met in the playoffs quite a few times. So they, that's the one thing about the East Division is that they're all former FCS schools, and a lot of them have ties back to, to the FCS playoffs. And um, when we play Marshall here in a couple of weeks, there, there were some great games down down the stretch with ODU. Um, since they haven't been around that long, it's just a couple of games. But Coastal and App, there's been some great games over the years as well. So this will be a challenging game. It's really going to test the defense. This will be the, probably the best offense that they see the entire year um, up to this point. So we'll see if this defense can continue to, to have that top ranking. One thing they've done is get after the quarterback. They have 18 sacks in five games. They had six last week at Arkansas State. And, and Georgia Southern only has two sacks allowed this year. And their third down conversions are at 58%. And JMU's holding opponents to about 28% on third down. So there's some numbers that just something's got to give between, between these two teams. The one thing, though, Georgia Southern's defense has not been good. And JMU's offense has been red hot of late. And they scored on six of their final seven possessions at Arkansas State. So um, – We'll see if it's a shootout or not. I find that hard to believe with, with the way Jamie's defense is playing, but uh, it's still going to be a challenge. On the road in any league is going to be a challenge. Uh, it was a challenge for a while last week at Arkansas State, but I think it will be down at Georgia Southern. Again, they're back at home for just the first time in, in the last three weeks. 
All right, let's wrap it up here with Dave Reichert from uh, JMU. You're new to the conference. JMU's new to the conference. Give people a little bit of, of your background. How did you end up as the voice of the James Madison Dukes? Well, it's an interesting story. Um, I've only been in this seat for a little over a year, so this is my second year of doing JMU. But uh, Dave Thomas, who was here before me, um, he moved back home to North Carolina, actually Boone, North Carolina, uh, where App State is, but um, w- with uh, some family things that happened there. So he he decided to, to step away, and it opened up the job right before the season last year. Dave agreed to do the, the first two games of last year, and then uh, I was hired to, to jump in in game three when they played at Weber State. So I drove 15 hours from St. Joseph, Missouri, to Harrisonburg, Virginia in one day, and then flew out to Ogden, Utah for a game later that week. So uh, I was all over the country about a year ago at this time. But um, I, I worked in St. Joe, Missouri, did some Division II stuff at Missouri Western State University, uh, was there for almost 10 years. So uh, mm. got to do a few things with Kansas State and some other stuff in, in the Midwest. Um, so got my feet wet there. But uh, when this job opened, obviously you kind of know the brand of JMU and, and what they've done, especially at the FCS level. But um, blessed to be in this possession, position, no doubt about that. And honestly, with, with the jump up to FBS and now in the Sun Belt, and I, I told somebody the other day, you know, just over a year ago, I was doing a Division II team that was kind of struggling, and now all of a sudden I'm calling games for the 25th-ranked team of the country. That's pretty cool. Maybe it's you. <laughs> hey, maybe since I've been on board, there's 17-2. and two. There you go. All right. Uh, <laughs> one more question. So I've lived in Harrisburg. Uh, what's mm-hmm. what's Harrisonburg like? Right on. It is still on Route 81, right? It's right on it Route is. 81. Okay. Absolutely. It's on 81. Um, it's in the Shenan. Doa Valley, uh, about an hour from Charlottesville, where UVA is about two hours east of Washington, D.C. It takes about three and a half hours to get to the beach in Virginia Beach. So it's in a good setting. Um, and again, the, there's mountains all around us here in the Shenandoah Valley. It's a town of about 50,000 people. It's a smaller community, uh, but JMU now has over 22,000 students. So they certainly kind of rule the roost here. And, and you know, it, it's such a great fan base. This program is only 51 years old. So it's 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 a pretty young program in, in historical terms um, with not a ton of alumni that are older. So I think it's going to, it's going to continue to grow with its alumni. Um, they have done a great job with their facilities here and the town loves JMU that um, they've already sold out their second game coming up with Marshall a week from Saturday. So uh, this fan base is, is pretty rabid and they, they love JMU here in Harrisonburg. Dave Reigert, uh, JMU radio broadcaster. Really appreciate you hopping on lockdown Sunbelt. Thanks so much. Best of luck to the Dukes for the rest of the season. All right, Dave, thank you very much. Anytime. Thank you very much for tuning in to Lockdown Sunbelt, your conference every day. We will talk with Luke Creasy tomorrow. He is the beat writer from the Herald-Dispatch covering Marshall. He'll recap uh, this football game, the Cajuns and the Thundering Herd. And we'll talk more about Marshall football uh, as well. Once again, I'm Dave Schultz. Thanks again for tuning in to Lockdown Sunbelt, your conference every day.